americana. Atenea americana. Atenea americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford. 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea americana. This is Atenea americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. And today we are talking with Jorge Pacheco Jr. He is a national award-winning teacher who was appointed by the National State Board of Education to help the California Department of Education create ethnic studies curricula for the state in 2019. Jorge, who is proudly indigenous and Latino, has been an elementary and middle school native studies and Spanish teacher in the Bay Area since graduating from UC Berkeley in 2013. In his role as an advocate for equity and public education, he is now working to close the digital divide for Santa Clara County as a digital equity specialist for community health partnership. Jorge currently serves as a president of both the Oak Grove School District of Education, as well as the California Latino School Board Association, or CLSBA, where he leads an organization that represents and fights for Latino students and school board members across the state. Today, he is talking to us about his life, about his path through public education in California, about the importance of representation about the CLSBA and about the annual conference of the CLSBA and what is his vision for the future of public education. Stay with us to learn more about this and much more. we are recording our live interview here from the studio that will later come as a podcast but our guest our live guest is a trustee of the board of education of the oak grove school district in san jose jorge pacheco jr and he is also an award-winning teacher for middle and elementary school and welcome. Uh, we are very happy to have you here. We have been waiting for a long time. Somehow our schedules never met at the same time, but I'm so excited that you are here and welcome to Stanford. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So tell me a little bit more about, well, about yourself. So you are native of California and, uh, well, you are, of course, a Latino. And start from the beginning, you can tell us Yeah, more. so I've been a teacher, um, a public school teacher in the Bay Area where I was born and raised since I graduated from UC Berkeley in 2013. I actually now work as a middle school teacher at Menlo Park City School District, just a... Um, just right next door from here 
And um, I'm about to start my first year, and tomorrow's the first day with our students. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, my parents come from El Salvador, my mom, and my dad comes from Mexico. And um, But we're a very mixed and different family. Um, my dad's background, he's um, comes from a very rare community. He's Maya and Korean. Um, my Korea great-grandfather migrated from Korea to Mexico back in the early 20th century. And it was only a group of 1,400 uh, 1, more or less Koreans that came to Mexico to work on the Hennequin plantations. And they were never able to return back to Korea as they were promised um, by the government. So they were stuck there. And um, my grandpa uh, met his uh, Maya wife and then all of a sudden a few generations down to my father and then me we have our we have us <laughs> yeah Grace, because you know humans they <laughs> we move around that's what he, we've been doing since the beginning since that was a little tribe somewhere in the middle of africa so that's pretty much who we are mm -hmm. uh, we and explore and expand <laughs> exactly and my own story and And to your point, got me so fascinated in the stories of migration and the history of humanity that I actually made, decided to major in anthropology. And anthropology is one of my uh, big passions. One day, maybe I can, ho I hope to be a professional anthropologist down the road. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, well, you've been facing, you had first seat to the state of our education in California and the challenges that it comes. Uh, we have, uh, well, different kind of schools as we have the, well, what we call in, uh, in education, we call ADA, uh, and there are others that are local um, funded classrooms and local funded school. We have... Well, also different type of challenges. Uh, most of California is about 35% Latinos, well, and then uh, whites and uh, other minorities. And uh, so it's a big chunk of our kids in the schools are, well, are uh, immigrants or second generation, are kids with a, a mixed background, uh, a mixed culture, valuable culture from other countries that have come and embraced the uh, United States and California. And it's very important that we face uh, the challenge of how to educate and uh, raise them. So tell me a little bit more about your work with the Hispanic and Latino community. So I joined the California Latino School Board Association um, back when almost almost immediately when I got elected in 2018 because when I got elected in 2018 I was the first Latino ever elected to the Oak Grove School District which is to me not a good thing it's shocking because 50% of our district is Latino and it didn't surprise me when I learned that 50%, more than 50% of the student body in California and our public schools are also Latino. Um, that's a recent demographic shift, and that's one that's reflected in my own district, but it's not reflected in the elected leaders making educational policy at my district or across the state. And so that's why I decided to um, attend the CLSBA Unity Conference um, in 2019 And um, it was then 
when I got elected to become a board of directors member. And then about a year later, I became uh, the president and I've been the president since. And the reason why I wanted to become president is because Latinos across the state are, I feel, misunderstood and taken for granted by politicians, by the education system and many and oftentimes we are we've been historically excluded from success and that is why i wanted to see clsba rise to the occasion and become at the same level as the prominent california school board association our sister organization and advocate and represent latinos trustees students across the state um exclusively and that it takes a long it, it's a huge journey to make that happen but um that's why i wanted to do it we're facing an immense amount of diverse um issues many of them localized across geographies and counties um but oftentimes masked away by uh erased by um the misunderstandings that people have of us yes and uh, also sometimes collide the the two well two populations the population with the lower income which uh, brings a lot of extra stress and trauma to our kids with the latino population and with the minorities in general all the minorities somehow uh, have a big chunk of their kids and their populations in the lower income which makes it very challenging to close the gap, that gap in education that everybody talks about. There is a huge gap that we've been trying to close for, well, pretty much forever in education. And that's not what public education is about. Public education, the ideals are of democracy and it's an equalizer, a bringing opportunity. And can you talk a little bit more about what you've seen about this? Well, one of the challenges that... Um we face at the judicial level is that um, over the last couple of decades, the Supreme Court has made decisions regarding school funding and its, and its inequality and inequity um, against our own interests. They've um, made decisions that had holdings um, around the idea that unequal funding doesn't mean unequal education. But you and I, as trustees, know that that is absolutely not the case. That's not what happens on the ground. I've, as a teacher, I've had the ability to work from Title I schools in San Jose all the way up to um, community-funded districts and community-funded schools um, in Mountain View and Menlo Park. And seeing the disparity as a teacher is also shocking, um, especially when I compare my own district as a trustee oak grove school district we're not a community funded district but we know that we have to make what we can with um the resources that we do have some districts um in our community for example have a budget of 65 million dollars for four schools at oak grove we have a budget of around 120 million for 18 and that is the kind of challenge that we have to face. And, and then the thing that we're noticing a, a, a lot of more, uh, more about right now, especially due to inflation is a huge, inf uh, 
uh, out migration of our teachers going to school districts that were paying more people say that there's a teacher shortage but what re there really is is that there's a shortage of adequate pay for our teachers there's a shortage for respect for our teachers and teachers are having enough of it and so that's why i want to try to see what we can do as an organization california latino school board association to advocate for new ways um to re-envision our funding structure um so that we can create more equity for our funding instead of, for example, my district at San Jose and Oak Grove School District, we get the same amount of um, LCFF funding as a district in the San Joaquin Valley or a district in a rural area of California. And we, and as you know, that the cost of living is just not comparable. Um, And so those are the kind of things that we need to think about and talk about. But what I, but unfortunately, our advocacy is just not enough. At, C, at CSBA, CLSBA, we need something bigger. And I'm hoping that what we can do is create a movement uh, for all trustees to really go to our legislators and demand that this needs to stop. And so luckily... Um, those conversations are starting, but no solutions have been achieved just yet. And uh, uh, in the last few years, we had a lot already of good news, a little mm -hmm. steps in, in the state, at mm -hmm. least. Uh, like now we're starting with pre-K, acknowledging pre-K and UT um, <laughs> transitional kindergarten. Uh, so which is, you know, an extra opportunity for everybody in California to start an earlier education that kindergarten and be more prepared. But then, well, and we had a lot of support during pandemic with meals, but not enough. Like everything, we are having little steps, but it's always not enough. And one very important step is that to acknowledge the difference in living costs in different parts of California when an ADA school, which is a school that is Is supported by federal and state budget, they just give us uh, the same amount of money all around California. Tell me a little bit more about uh, something that is happening in the California Latino State uh, School Boards Association. So we are going to bring in over 200 trustees from across the state um, to our new location, a location that we've never had our conference at, uh, Monterey, California. Um, And we are hoping that by changing this location, we can bring in a new crowd of trustees that have oftentimes been um, ignored. And those are the trustees from San Benito County, Fresno County, um, Santa Cruz, we, Monterey County, um, NorCal in general. And it's time that we start seeing what do the trustees from the urban areas of these counties need But most especially, what do the trustees from these rural areas need? There's many school districts that only have one school or two schools. And um, they have needs just like the rest of us. And I'm hoping that when they come to our conference and they see that there's over 200 diverse leaders from, and not all of them are going to be Latinos. They're people from every racial and ethnic background that are all coming together because we all want to do better for our Latino students. And that is our common mission. And so we are going to be hosting a multitude of workshops, 
of panels. We will be bringing leadership from all of our sister organizations, from the um, Black Educators um, School Board Association, the, uh, the Asian Pacific Islander one, the president of the California Latino School Board Association, uh, the California School Board Association, Susan Heredia will be there as well as a speaker. And we will also be bringing a host of professionals and um, and just amazing advocates for students um, to really inspire our trustees to not only stay in the boardroom, but to continue um, serving their students because we're also seeing, um, we're also, I'm also very concerned about how many trustees are not going for re-election or who are being challenged at their local elections because of the culture world, culture wars that many trustees are experiencing. So this conference will be a safe space for them and a brave space for them to share their concerns, their thoughts, their aspirations, and to come together reinvigorated with a new hope and plan and resources to better serve their students and their own roles as professional trustees. So I'm really excited about it, and um, I hope that everybody can be there. Yes, they're having a lot of polarization and a lot of cultural wars and issues lately in the boardrooms and in education in general. And uh, yes, they have been challenging to say the least. Uh, so, but tell me a little bit more about the type of things that you put together for the annual conference at the CLSBA. So one of the big topics we'll be talking about include ethnic studies. We'll be having four workshops around that. We'll be bringing some of the best leaders um, teaching trustees not only how to implement um, ethnic studies policies at their district, but how to re-envision what teaching about Latino history or Asian Pacific Islander history or Black history, Indigenous history can look like at their own districts. We know that there is a huge gap in what the student body is and then what they're taught in their social studies, history courses, math courses, science courses. Students don't know that, for example, that many of their Mayan ancestors, if they come from those parts of Mexico, um, had a huge role to play in astronomy and the creation of the number zero. They all don't know the history that the Aztecs played when it comes to architecture and, and science and military strategy. They don't know about the beauties of the Inca or the amazing contributions of um, our, our Southwest um, Native um, brothers and sisters that many of our Latinos have heritage for. And so, um, and then of course, we want them to know how their own migration histories, um, whether they're from El Salvador or Venezuela or Argentina, it doesn't matter, how those histories um, contribute to the beautiful makeup of the United States. Um, those are histories that are oftentimes unspoken of and ignored and um, excluded. And so, um, and research shows, research from Stanford University actually, shows that um, when students learn this history, they do better in class. They attend, they attend their classes more, they achieve higher GPAs, they have um, better high school graduation rates. So those, that's the kind of data that we want to show at our conference, and those are the kind of speakers we want to bring. We'll also be bringing speakers that will be talking about our English language learners. What are the policies that we need to advocate for at the state level, at the local level? What are the funding sources that we can lean on um, if funding is an issue for certain districts? 
what are the programs that make sense, um, such as the um, Sobrato Early um, uh, Early Learning Program, the SEAL program, um, or whether it's GLAD or whether it's a different type of EL program, um, trustees will be given a menu of options and resources as to what are the resources that they can bring to ex- um, to accelerate EL growth. And, um, and that will be a really big component of our part. And lastly, um, another branch of our uh, program is Latino leadership. We want to, to bring speakers that will be teaching our Latinos on rebranding their themselves, learning um, public speaking skills, learning um, concrete um, skills that will help them as better leaders, as um, policymakers, as politicians, as educational leaders. Um, as trustees, oftentimes it's, this is our very first elected office. And for many of us, our only elected office. Um, that means that there needs to be more professional development and strengthening our as ourselves as professionals. So we'll be providing a lot of those speakers for that. Are you planning in uh, giving something similar to the Masters in Governance to the uh, school boards? That's a great question. <laughs> and we are working on that. We are working on an on something to compete with CSBA's um, Masters in Governance program. We want to create a boot camp for um, for anybody. It's, it's open to anybody, but a, a California Latino School Board Association um, new trustee boot camp where they will be learning many of the same materials, but, but with a much more um, nuanced um, space. And that is how do these um, standards of governance apply to um, groups like Latinos, groups like APIs, groups like um, black people. And so when I took the master's in governance program and I've completed the whole thing, those conversations were not had. And the feedback that I got from my colleagues was, this is great content, but there was something missing from it. We walked away feeling like we didn't learn how these things apply to the kids in our own districts and to the diverse needs that they had. And so that's the gap that we hope to fill. And we're going to be looking for partners um, in doing that. And there is also a big association, Asian Pacific and Islanders mm -hmm. Association of School Boards. Maybe that's an opportunity to partner with other minorities that have stronghold in and a big population in our state. Absolutely. We are, we actually have a very good relationship with them and we're working on a couple of projects um, with them um, that um, have to do with um, choosing our um, Hispanic director at large and our Asian Pacific Islander director at large for the California School Board Association Board of Directors. Those are elected positions and our organizations have never endorsed someone for that race before but we will do that for the first time this year. And um, hopefully that will be the first step in creating a, collabor a collaborative um, boot camp between our organizations um, for next year trustees, um, for new trustees. This is Atenea Americana, and I am your host, Isabel Jubes. You may find this and all my shows at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. This is a bilingual cultural show bringing you a window to the Latin and Hispanic universe every week for two hours, one in English and one in Spanish, from Stanford to the world.
You can also be part of this, leaving me your comments, sharing your thoughts, and even more at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. I invite you to be part of this. And remember that today we're talking with Jorge Pacheco Jr. about education and about ethnic studies in California. In the last few years, the California School Boards Association have been making a lot of emphasis in equity and in uh, topics like restorative justice and social emotional. But it, I feel like now the movement is kind of doubling down on equity and going directly to something that is called anti-racist training, which is more about identifying situations when uh, these uh, microaggressions and uh, racist behaviors are not easy to recognize. People are really aware of what they're doing, but somehow we learn how to see them, we identify them, and we try to learn and move forward. Do you think that all of this is result, part of more representation in the school boards, more representations in leadership positions, and maybe even empowering these organizations that are trying to advocate for this kind of change, a cultural change in California and, in, well, in general in the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really, it's, it's really sad that um, the term anti-racism has turned into something that it isn't. And which is to many people racism. Yeah. And it's just, and that's what we need. That's kind of the misinformation that we hope to fight against. Um, that, and we hope that trustees and districts and educational leaders are continue to be brave and not afraid to use the term anti racism. Um, it's, and or terms like equity or terms like um, diversity or inclusion or belonging all of these words have been transfigured into something that they're not and um hopefully our conference and many conferences after this and can inspire trustees to go back to their districts and say that we are an anti-racist organization we will view our policies and decision making through an anti-racist lens and 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 racism will not be tolerated um, any way, shape, or form, as well as sexism or classism in any way, shape, or form at our districts or in our classrooms. Um, if that starts with the trustees, that creates reverberations of change throughout every level of um, systematic of, of system in districts. And so I'm hoping that that's what trustees get from our conference. What are you think the next steps over the next few years? How what is the map that the organization, the school Latino school boards organization, yeah. has been creating? Or so growing? we are going to we are going to be ex, uh, growing our organization financially, um, seeking new philanthropic partners, seeking new sources of funding to. Um, expand our operations and to hire an executive director for the first time in our in our organization's history. Our organization is composed of just passionate volunteers of trustees and trustees as you and I, we're already volunteers. We don't really get paid much if 
and many don't get paid anything for the roles for the role that we perform for our district mm -hmm. and um and so to see trustees on our at CLSBA right now give more of their free time to to volunteer on our committees to serve in our positions of leadership and to organize a conference um um it's 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 inspirational but it's also unsustainable um we want our Latino trustees, our Latino leaders across the state um, to be able to perform their roles, their full-time jobs to serve CLSBA, but without the stress of being an unpaid staffer. Mm -hmm. So that's why we need to hire an executive director. That's one of our big goals for the end of this year or early next year. And then hopefully that will be the first step in a large vision of hiring more people to um, grow our organization and to expand our programming across every region of California so that every district, all 1,029, know of us and have at least one of their trustees as a member of our organization. With all the studies and numbers everywhere in the district, we know who are our students. We have data of how the student bodies comprise somehow in California. Uh, but do we have numbers also about the, the representation in these schools and in the school districts and staff and teachers uh, for these kids? Like how is um, actually the body of teachers and staff and principals and board members comprised in our state. Do our kids see themselves as uh, leaders in education, see themselves as the adults to take care of them? Uh, and, uh, well, how, how do we have those numbers? How, how is it working right now? That's a great question. The most recent figure that I heard was around um, 10%. 10% of trustees are Latinos. Um, and so that gap, um, whether it's around 10 or 20, that's still a large gap from over 50% of students in our, in our public schools being Latino. And so that is the gap that we hope to close. Um, and perhaps what that means is um, that if CLSBA wants to create a political arm, a 501c4, where we um, start endorsing candidates Um, Latino candidates um, across the state and providing them funding for their races, that is going to be something that we explore as well. Over the year, there have been lots of focus trying to close that gap in achievement in education. We heard of a lot of focus on diversity, identity, the core education, social-emotional learning, trauma-informed teaching, uh, mathematical and the growing mind mindset, the project-based education. How do you think we should focus the way we teach in the state to make sure that uh, we are creating an equitable environment where all children somehow are set to achieve mastery? What do you think should be uh, a way to, well, pretty much close the gap from your opinion as an educator, as an activist, as a board member? The first, I think, would be to look into really well-researched um, English language learner or bi emergent bilingual um, programs such as the Sheltered Instruction Observation Protocol, SIOP. Um, 
PSYOP is an absolutely amazing um, format for and, and family of um, strategies and approaches for not only accelerating the growth of our English, of our emergent bilingual students, but um, also just, it's just good instruction in general. The way that they've systematized instruction and, um, and adapted it to emergent bilingual instruction is, shouldn't just be isolated to them, but it, it can be used for all students. So if, if trustees can learn more about PSYOP I, and, and compare that to what they have in their districts, um, whether they're using a different in, um, EL program or whatever, that can be very, oh, that can be very uh, effective. Uh, another thing is also expanding dual immersion programs. Research shows that when students are multilingual, cognitive growth accelerates, their academics accelerate. Um, everything, it, it, it's many, many uh, researchers look at that as the panacea uh, for really reversing a lot of the detriments that education has done to diverse students. And, um, but the, the thing is that there really isn't much availability of dual immersion programs in many districts and especially so for low income districts. So um, low income students deserve those types of resources and districts have the ability to create choice programs like those. And so, um, and what, what that means is also we need to pay our bilingual teachers our more. We need to pay them more than everybody else. Um, they need stipends. They need something else because as a as a almost lifelong um, dual immersion teacher myself, um, this is going to be my first year when I'm not, but all of my previous eight, nine years, um, we work twice as hard because we create twice the amount of curriculum and we get the same amount of pay. It makes us question why we are doing this in the first place. Um, that's part of the reason why there's a lot of teachers leaving um, those types of spaces. So um, we need to pay our bilingual teachers more. We need to create more dual immersion programs and we need to expand and strengthen our English learner um, programs as well. And I think um, if we do that, we'll see a lot of growth um, for our Latino students who have not been making growth for the last couple of decades or very slow growth. And it's extremely concerning at the local level and state level. Yeah, dual, dual immersion uh, education is uh, a great point about the, you know, the amount of money that the educator receives because you normally have a teacher who can teach the same lesson in both languages. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had the discussion in our board, like you say, well, we hire them to do this. So why should we pay them more than a regular teacher? But then you, you have a, when you have the regular curriculum, Uh, that is approved by the state. You cannot just take any curriculum from anywhere around the world. So these are the lessons that are approved by the state. These are the things that we should be teaching. You can complement with more things. Uh, but there are some points that each of them, and in different grades for social studies, science, should be covering. Those do not exist in Spanish. So then you have the teacher doing not just preparing the regular lesson, which they normally take, you know, the, the regular uh, program and they adapt it to their kids and their style and whatever the teacher normally mm -hmm. does. And but now they have to translate everything. They make now that connection with 
the, the particular students they make and they create the new class. So they have pretty much twice as much because they were hired, ex of course, to teach uh, science and history and American history in Spanish, but they weren't hired to translate, create the materials and put them also in Spanish every time they have to, to present the class. So if the teachers normally have, you know, quite a few hours in the afternoon while they prepare their work and, 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 uh, and evaluate the kids and test, uh, they now have twice as much because they also have to do it in a different language. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's exactly true. And, and it's, and I think that's why they call us B-clad teachers, bilingual teachers, unicorns, because we're rare to find. And, and once you've lost us, you don't get us back because, um, there are other places, other districts that do treat us better and that do give us the resources that we need. And you're right. I mean, we have uh, bilingual teachers have to create a lot of their own materials, reinvent the wheel over and over and over again. And I'm, that's why I'm hoping that the more that trustees learn about the plight of bilingual teachers and the importance of bilingual education, that we can address that with proper compensation and um, support. Uh, you were telling me something very interesting about, well, the, the, how representation matters. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what, and something that I really want to talk about is um, the fact that the Latino, Latinos are not a monolithic group politically. We're an incredibly diverse group across the country in California. Um, and while I myself am a Democrat, um, many of our members are not. Many of, of California Latino School Board members are not. Many trustees that are Latinos across the state are not. Many are independents. Many are Democrats. Many are Republicans. And many are something else. Um, but what we often find, what uh, something that I often learn about from our members is a frustration that... Um, politicians assume about the Latino vote and which is that it is a solid democratic um, guarantee or if they just show up to, if they create a, a, an event and serve tacos and have a mariachi band, the, all of a sudden that's going to bring in Latino votes or inspire Latinos to come out and vote. Or if they leave us for the very last people that they engage with door knocking or if they don't um, provide us with um, literature um, with materials in Spanish or in different languages that Latinos speak because Latinos don't only speak Spanish. Um, those are the kind of um, ignorance uh, aspects that um, are very frustrating to I think a lot of Latinos and and I think it's leading to a lot of turmoil within our own community. It, and so what I'm hoping to do is to create, for us as Latinos, create a space for all of us, whether wherever we land on the political spectrum and come together and ask what are the issues that are important to us and why, um, instead of um, leaning on generalizations that people have of us. And I think it's also time that we recognize that we have the power to determine elections, to determine who wins and who loses local, statewide, and national elections. 
But that can't happen unless that we come together collectively in an organized manner and determine what our agenda is, what are our priorities, and what are the commonalities that we have, whether we're Republicans or Democrats. Um, I think that is how we will be able to really reshape Californian politics, local politics, national politics. But in order for that to happen, what politicians need to know is that they need to engage us earlier. They need to include us in leadership decisions for their own campaigns. They need to connect with our community leaders and um, create dialogue instead of just um, creating cheap events that they think will get their vote and that we are a guaranteed vote for them. And that's not the case. Um, I do not want to see Latino voters um, dissuaded from voting. Um, I want them to know that I want them to continue to be inspired to vote, but I also want them to um, make politicians fight for their vote. And I think um, that is where our the community is heading towards more now than ever before. Um, we are seeing Latino groups across the state from Arizona to Florida to Georgia to California, Texas, all wildly different, wildly different. But we need to figure out what those differences are and what commonalities can we fight for. Um, and, and I think if we do that, and, and if we demand that politicians engage us earlier and, and much more meaningfully, um, I think that will really strengthen our community as a voter bloc. Board members and uh, leaders in education are nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. You don't run as one or the other. Mm -hmm. You run for your community and on behalf of the children. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we all have the same common problems. The children are behind, the mm -hmm. children need good teachers, the good teachers need to eat, everybody needs to exactly. eat and have health care and pensions because otherwise they will work in something else that will pay them more. But we need the smart people to teach our children and we like our children to be educated. So we have the same problems uh, wherever you're coming from in uh, your political spectrum. So uh, we need to ask for the solutions to the problems in mm -hmm. particular mm -hmm. uh, without politicizing these things that you say. Exactly. Anti-racism shouldn't be a political statement, should be... Duh. Yeah. <laughs> logical things <laughs> like yeah kind of bad to be a racist let's figure out why it's happening and try to fix it you know and the, the things at this stage in life and this moment uh, there are things that we should be moving forward and think what is really uh, worth to be politicized from one side or another without coming backwards mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> well thank you very much for coming all the way here to Stanford and Stanford Radio and to talk with us today about all these very interesting and very important topics. Um, I hope that anybody that is interested in our conference can, and I hope that you will get a chance to experience this unity. Um, you will you will walk away inspired. Well, thank you. And yes, I hope uh, many people and many people get uh, inspired to run and represent the children, uh, whatever your thoughts are about uh, the future of education and the future of as children uh, we need more voices and more representation and this was Atenea Americana Atenea Americana Stanford 90.1 FM Radio Atenea Americana
Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Radio Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.